Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Oligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show, Diane Calvi, Chief Executive Officer of Village Enterprise. And the focus of today is Sustainable Development Goal 1, Ending Extreme Poverty. And that's indeed the work of Village Enterprise. They're focusing on ending extreme poverty in rural Africa through entrepreneurship, innovation, and collective action. We're going to be talking about some of the anecdotes that they have, really powerful stories, but also, and really important, the insights from randomized control trials that they've run, showing statistically rigorous outcomes that are improving lives. They've done a development impact bond uh, with the likes of USAID and FCDO, so we're going to get a little bit of a glimpse into that as well. And we're going to be looking at their upcoming work, working with the Rwandan government to end extreme poverty in Rwanda by 2030. So you're in for a treat today. Stay tuned. And without further ado, Diane, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you, Alberto. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Excellent. Well, today we do have a bit of time difference. You're out there in the West Coast in San Francisco. Uh, in the U.S., I'm here in the U.K., so it's a big, chunky thing. But we both somehow managed to get our diaries to align. would love to start by finding out about Village Enterprise. You're the chief executive officer of Village Enterprise. What's Village Enterprise all about? Village Enterprise is a nonprofit, and our mission is to end extreme poverty in rural Africa through entrepreneurship, innovation, and collective action. Um, we work with first-time entrepreneurs living in extreme poverty, and we provide them with all the resources and skills they need uh, to start small businesses and savings groups. Um, we provide them with training, uh, mentoring by a local business mentor, uh, a cash grant, uh, and access to a savings and loan groups and to new markets. Um, so at the end of the program, uh, they're running a small business that is providing enough income uh, so that they can lift their family out of poverty. They can provide nutritious food for their children. Uh, they can send their children to school. Um, they can pay for health care fees. Um, it's really a transformative um, program. Uh, we've trained over 274,000 entrepreneurs. Uh, that have started over 80,000 businesses. And this has uh, lifted close to 1.7 million people out of extreme poverty. Uh, in the past, Village Enterprises primarily implemented this program uh, and we continue to do so in uh, East and Central Africa. Um, but increasingly we're working with governments and larger nonprofits to adopt it. Um, and by working together with others, um, our goal is to lift 20 million people out of extreme poverty by 2030. I love it. And I love the date, 2030, those 17 sustainable development goals, right? That's when we're supposed exactly. to... Exactly. Who, who, who thought, um, let's uh, leverage entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial spirit and try to use it for sort of international development purposes, as it were. Yeah, so our co-founders, Brian Lennon and Joan Hestinus, um, were um, here in the Bay Area, and um, they had witnessed um, the abject poverty in uh, East Africa and visits that they had made to, to the continent. And they thought, you know, here in the Silicon Valley, um, entrepreneurship has been 
uh, you know, an engine for growth and, and prosperity. And they felt that there was a similar opportunity to bring that same model um, to Africa. And the idea was to give people both money and training and mentoring. Um, and that money alone was not enough um, that when people are starting businesses for the first time, uh, they need skills, they need knowledge, and they need um, networks. And so bringing that same concept that's uh, been cultivated so much here in the Silicon Valley, and that's what venture capitalists do, um, bringing that to first-time entrepreneurs in Africa. You touched on the venture side of things, venture capital. Are you sort of incubating these entrepreneurs? Yeah, we are. We are definitely incubating them. We're providing them with a year-long program. And I like to say our training is like a mini MBA um, for first-time entrepreneurs in Africa. Um, so we're teaching them kind of basic bookkeeping. We're teaching about how to be good salespeople, how to market their businesses, um, how to get access to um, customers. And um, they, they actually write a small business plan with their business mentor. Um, and so, yeah, it's very similar to incubation. And after um, a year, uh, Village Enterprise is able to exit because they have all the tools and the resources they need uh, to run these small businesses. Uh, and we have um, a lot of data um, that um, now provides the evidence that this model really works. Um, so I know you're, you're big on data. I know you've done a few, a couple of uh, randomized control trials, RCTs. We're going to touch it on that a little bit. But before we do, I remember when I was running a foundation, sometimes, you know, you have a great idea, you want to do this intervention or this program, and you have the funds for it, but actually getting it executed is very difficult. And even just generating the demand and the awareness, right, that, that this exists, that people are out there who could avail themselves of it. And so I'm really keen to find out a little bit about how do you let people in the front lines know that you exist and what you do and how to get involved? So when you're asking that question, it's about actually how we get people in Africa to know about what we do. Um, and what we have is a really strong team on the ground. So even though I'm based in San Francisco, um, over 500 employees uh, that work for Village Enterprise are based in East Africa and they're on the ground implementing the program every day. Uh, and what we do when we go into new communities is we introduce ourselves to the community. We meet with local government officials um, and we hold participatory meetings uh, with community members to introduce them to the program. Uh, and what we find is communities are really excited about our program and, and having us come into their communities, uh, because in many cases in rural Africa, there aren't these types of opportunities um, for people uh, to start businesses and to receive this kind of training and, and mentoring. Um, so both the, the government officials and the members that um, participate in the program uh, get really excited about, uh, you know, Village Enterprise coming to their local communities. Um, and we've done that sort of systematically um, throughout um, the areas that we've worked in. We're now working in Kenya, Uganda, Ethiopia, and Rwanda with our own feet on the ground. Um, and uh, we, we work in many different areas in those countries. Uh, we also work in partnership with others in other countries as well. The... Um... 
the typical entrepreneur, if there is such a thing, uh, I don't know. Could you share perhaps the story of someone whose uh, life story, whose narrative resonated with you, who you managed to help out or who you managed to help them help themselves? Yeah, so um, one woman I met in 2018, her name is Salome. Um, she introduced herself as a young mother. Um, she was, I met her in the Bitty Bitty refugee camp in Northern Uganda. Um, and Salome explained to me that she had to flee her country uh, with her six children when war broke out. And when I asked her about her husband, she didn't know where he was or if he was even alive. Um, she told me about having to walk for two months uh, with her six children, carrying one of them on her back. Um, I'm a mother and I just can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, and when she arrived in the Bitty Bitty camp, uh, she was given a bag of rice, a bottle of oil and a jerry can for water. That's it. That's all she was given. And she was expected to provide for her six children. Um, and I, you know, you're a parent and I, you know, can you imagine what it would be like to try to provide for your family in those circumstances? Um, and so when we came into the Bitty Bitty refugee camp, uh, Village Enterprise offered Salome the opportunity to start a business. And um, we provided her with the training, the mentoring, uh, the cash grant, and she started a retail business with three, uh, uh, with two other uh, business owners and uh, was able to get this successful business off the ground. Um, and what I'm really excited about is I just asked my field staff a couple of weeks ago to go back and check on Salome. And so five years later, uh, Salome is a successful businesswoman. Uh, she is a leader in her community. She's running two businesses, a retail business and an agricultural business. She now owns two acres of land uh, and she's providing not only for her six children, but also five other children uh, in the camp that have lost their parents. Um, and this, this story is not just a, a unique story. This really is representative of what happens when people participate in our program. Their lives are really transformed. Uh, and this is now... Um, we now have evidence that this works. Um, we just completed a five-year study. Uh, five years later, on average, our entrepreneurs' incomes have doubled uh, and their savings have increased by over 900%. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, my savings haven't increased by 900% over the past five years. So it's really quite remarkable uh, what happens um, when people participate in our program. So Salome is someone I know personally, and I feel really, you know, inspired by her story. Um, but there are lots of people like Salome that Village Enterprises helped. I like that. Um, obviously, it's a very, it's a very impactful story. But somebody listening to it could say, well, you know, you're cherry picking. Here's an anecdote. That's anecdotal evidence. That's nice. But, but you, but you went a step further, and you're telling us this is actually representative of what's happening. And you've conducted two randomized controlled trials. And interestingly, also, you, you've been involved with the development impact bond as well. Let's look a little bit into that side of it, the sort of statistically rigorous side of things. And give us a little bit of insight into that RCT and what insights you gleaned from it and, uh, and how it's sort of transforming the work you do. 
Yeah, thanks, Alberto. Yeah, so Village Enterprise um, has uh, made a decision to be a data-driven organization. And um, back in 2013, uh, we made the decision to invest in an independent, large-scale, randomized control trial. Um, and at the time, that was really um, a very unusual thing for a small nonprofit to do. Um, but we wanted to create the evidence uh, for our model. And uh, unless you do an RCT, uh, you don't really know if it's your program that's having the impact. Um, so increasingly, RCTs are being used to solve development problems much the same way um, that they've been used to um, figure out whether a drug works or not, right? Because you need a control group to prove attribution. Um, and so Village Enterprise invested in uh, an RCT with 6,300 households uh, in Uganda. It was conducted by Innovations for Poverty Action, uh, independent evaluation firm. Uh, and we received very positive results. Um, and so the participants in our program saw their uh, incomes increase, uh, increases in savings, in, in assets. Uh, we also saw increases in um, the number of meals people uh, ate per day. And, uh, and, and also importantly, their subjective well-being increased. Um, so people just feel better about themselves. They feel more hopeful for the future. They're more confident. Um, they're more likely to hold leadership positions in their communities. Um, so with these really positive results from our first RCT, uh, Village Enterprise was selected out of 150 organizations uh, to implement the first development impact bond in poverty alleviation. Um, and in a development impact bond, organizations get paid on results, not activities. Um, in typical development projects, uh, organizations get paid on activities or receipts. Um, for example, how many entrepreneurs are trained as opposed to um, what results actually are achieved because of that training. So in the case of Village Enterprise, um, in the past, we've been paid on how many businesses we've started, how many entrepreneurs we've trained. But within the development impact bond, we got paid on how much the incomes and savings of our entrepreneurs increased. And we um, conducted another randomized control trial uh, to find out these results. And so in the case of a development impact bond, the outcome payers, and in this case, it was USAID, FCDO, and a private foundation, um, they were only going to pay if our results were achieved. And so we needed to raise the upfront working capital from investors. And the investors took on the risk that Village Enterprise wouldn't perform. Um, but in order to do that, they were paid, uh, they would be paid a return on their investment for taking on that risk. Um, and the good news is that Village Enterprise was able to work with over 14,000 households. Um, so 14,000 first time entrepreneurs. And um, we were successful uh, at um, not only uh, training them and mentoring them and getting their businesses off the ground, 
but they were then successful um, at running their businesses and, and saw significant increases in their incomes and savings. And as a result, the outcome payers paid back our investors uh, their full return um, and, 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 and some uh, interest on, on, on their return. So it was a very successful project. I love impact investing personally. Was it much of a headache to get this whole thing off the ground, get all the different moving pieces? And I know it's not just you, but sometimes I hear, you know what? Yes, uh, development impact bonds, impact investing, uh, but you know, it's actually very time consuming, very complex. And other people say, no, actually more straightforward than you might think. What's your experience? Well, since this was the first development impact bond in poverty alleviation, it was um, challenging to get it off the ground. It wasn't easy. Is that, um, a, is that a euphemism? <laughs> True. Uh, and, and part of that was because it was it was the first development impact bond. It had never been done. And so we needed to, first of all, convince uh, the outcome funders um, that this was worth investing in. Um, so we needed, we had a private foundation that was interested in getting this project off the ground and they put up $2 million in matching funds. And then they said, go raise the additional uh, two to $3 million for the project. And um, we were successful at convincing uh, the innovation arm of USAID, USAID Development Innovation Ventures, as well as FCDO to invest in the project, but that took time. Uh, and then we needed to go raise the investment capital. Um, and so, you know, convincing investors to, to invest in the project. Uh, in addition, we needed to set up an RCT, which is not easy. But one of the things that we learned in this process is that once you make these investments, it's much easier to replicate than the, than the initial project. And so now Village Enterprise has this experience um, and we're hoping to develop another project um, because we really feel that if we wanna solve the problem of extreme poverty, um, resources need to be used more effectively. And, and one of the ways to do that is to pay on results, not activities. Because when you pay on activities, you don't even know if you're actually solving the problem. Um, and by paying on results, you know for sure that you're actually solving the problem that you set out to, to solve. And so um, Village Enterprise is, is really committed to this work. Um, in order to do the development impact bond, uh, we invested in performance management systems that allow us um, to actually track the performance of our entrepreneurs uh, throughout the year that we work with them. Um, so some of these investments that we made to be successful, um, we can now leverage in future projects. And, uh, you know, so I would say, yes, it was, it was complex. It was, it was hard to set up the first, um, but we're confident that now that we have this first model that we can replicate it. Um, and uh, we we just found out that Village Enterprise uh, is going to uh, be the recipient of one of the largest uh, scaling grants from USA Development Innovation Ventures. We were uh, just notified that we're going to get a $6.5 million grant 
um, from USA Development and Innovation Ventures. And in this case, we're going to be working with the Rwandan government. And we're going to use a lot of the same principles um, that we um, put in place for the Development Impact Bond uh, to help the Rwandan government actually scale up this model. And um, so in, in the case of uh, the Rwandan government, Village Enterprise is initially going to be the implementer. Um, but over time, Village Enterprise is going to be training Rwandan government to, to actually implement this program and achieve the same kinds of results that Village Enterprise has achieved. How exciting. Now, that's a, that's a big number, 6.5 uh, million. So congratulations on that. And also working with the Rwandan government because they are able to... Uh, to make things happen nationwide fairly quickly you know it's 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 a very uh, as far as the infrastructure and the organizational uh side of it right very efficient yes yeah no i and i think what we're really excited about is the rwandan government actually has a national strategy and um they're committed to ending extreme poverty by 2030 it is the number one sustainable development goal but there are very few countries that have actually put a strategy in place and made a firm commitment to achieving that goal. And so Village Enterprise is really excited about this project because we feel that it would be possible now that we have this commitment from the Rwandan government, um, we've got funding from USAID, uh, we have some private foundations and some corporate foundations that are also funding uh, this work. And we believe that it will be possible to end extreme poverty in Rwanda by 2030. And wouldn't that be exciting to have a country in Africa that it has ended extreme poverty? Um, it'll be a role model for other African um, countries and, and, and for the world. It would be very exciting. In terms of the insight from the first uh, development impact bond you were embarking on, and now as you look forward to to working on this uh, and this new initiative uh, in Rwanda, what perhaps might you do a little bit differently? Would do more of, do less as, do less uh, than before. And I'm just wondering, I'm just curious. You know, as you embarked on that first foray into the development impact bond. What did you learn? What are the sort of things that you think, well, you know what, in hindsight, maybe we shouldn't have done that, or maybe we should have done more of the other thing? Well, I think one of the things that we won't need to do on this particular project is we won't need to do yet another RCT. Um, Village Enterprise has already invested in two randomized control trials. So we now have a really solid body of evidence um, that when the model is implemented correctly, uh, that you get these results. And so um, now USAID has said, you know, you don't need to do another RCT. Um, what we can do is we can use our performance management systems to track and um, provide the feedback to USAID on the actual results of these businesses. Uh, and, you know, because we have this evidence already built, we don't need to replicate yet again another RCT. And that's a huge, um, both cost savings and, and, and a, you know, in terms of the complexity of the project, it reduces the complexity of the project. 
and so that's one thing. Um, I think the second thing is that we have learned um, about how digital technology can play a really important role in both making Village Enterprise uh, a more cost-effective organization, an organization that can really scale its operations, um, as well as helping our entrepreneurs run more profitable businesses. Um, so we've made a lot of investments in digital technology. Um, I talked about the performance management system. Our business mentors actually have dashboards where they can look at how the businesses are doing, how the savings groups are doing um, on a business by business basis. Um, and, and now increasingly we're providing these digital tools um, to our entrepreneurs. Um, we all know that technology um, can really transform a business, um, but before Village Enterprise comes into these communities, um, they're not using digital technology. Um, and so what we're doing is we're introducing um, digital bookkeeping ap applications for our savings groups. Uh, we're introducing them to uh, mobile money applications um, and, and really um, helping them feel more comfortable with technology. Um, because, you know, we think, oh, everybody's using technology. But, you know, if you're um, someone who has a low level of literacy um, and has never used technology, it can be very intimidating. Um, so part of the process is also um, just getting them comfortable with using technology. Absolutely. I think that digital literacy piece is so vital, right? To, to making things that making sure that things work exactly. on the on the first point in terms of creating that body of evidence. And it must feel great to have that body of evidence, you know, that statistically rigorous uh, uh, data that's telling you you're on the right track. I imagine if we're embracing the collaborative spirit and people are listening to this as well, people could look at your model, your way of operating, think, you know, I can learn from that and I can do what they're doing and know that what I'm doing is going to add value because of the data of that RCT, right? I mean, I'm just thinking the body of knowledge you created, you could view as a public good that would benefit other well-meaning uh, NGOs out there. Yes, that's exactly. And that's one of the reasons we made the investment. We felt like as a small nonprofit, how can we really add value? And as a small nonprofit, it's easier for us to take risks and doing an RCT is risky. But once you build that body of evidence, uh, then that becomes a public good. Exactly. And um, what we've been able to do since then is train larger NGOs like World Vision, uh, Wildlife Conservation Society, Africa Wildlife Foundation on our model, and their employees are now implementing our model. Um, and the same is true for governments. You know, governments, uh, especially when they go to scale, when they spend millions and millions of dollars on an intervention, uh, they want to know that that intervention works. Um, and so now that we have this evidence that the model works, um, we're working, as I mentioned, with the Rwandan government. We're also working with the Kenya government on a large uh, World Bank funded project. Um, so it's it's not only the nonprofits and the governments that need to know that the model works. It's also the funders that need to know it works. Um, and so um, we have funders like the World Bank, USAID, but also corporations like the Cartier Foundation, Hilton Foundation, IKEA Foundation, and, and all of our funders 
um, are, I think, interested in funding Village Enterprise, not just because we have a good story or because uh, it's exciting to see people lifted out of poverty, but because we we can have the evidence that it actually does that consistently over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how did you get into all of this? Give us a little bit of insight into your personal narrative and professional trajectory. Yeah. So um, when I was a, a child, I talked a lot to my dad. My dad was my role model. Um, and my dad grew up um, in poverty. Uh, he um, you know, would tell me about when he was a kid, like not having enough to eat. Um, he and his mom, his mom was a single mom of three boys. Um, and they would have to go up to northern Michigan in the summer and pick fruit um, just to make some extra money to, to make ends meet. Uh, and I was really fascinated with that story because my dad was a successful man. He had gone on to do his MBA and his PhD. Um, and through education and through business, um, he was able to provide a really good life for me and my sisters. Um, but I was aware that not everyone had those opportunities. And, um, you know, I started volunteering at a, at a young age. I lived in Los Angeles and I would go into much poorer areas of Los Angeles and I would tutor kids and, and I would realize, you know, that I just had really incredible opportunities that these, these other children didn't have. Um, so I, I think from a very young age, I really wanted to give back. Um, and I had the good fortune to go to great schools like Stanford. Uh, I got a Rotary scholarship to do my MBA in Italian at Bocconi University. Um, and so all along in my career, I've always tried to give back. I served on boards, served on the board of organization that serves the homeless. Um, but I was mostly working in the private sector for the first half of my career. And um, what I say about that is that um, what I learned during those uh, years was the importance of, of uh, building a strong organization and an organization focused on innovation. Um, I spent 11 years at Microsoft um, during a time of tremendous growth, and I learned about how to scale a, an enterprise and that in order to scale an enterprise, you really need partnerships. Um, Microsoft would not have achieved tremendous scale uh, without its partnerships with IBM, Apple, Dell. Um, I also learned that uh, innovation is critical. You know, if, if an organization stops innovating in the for-profit sector, it goes out of business. Uh, and Microsoft was a, a real innovator, and that's why it became such a successful um, company. Um, and finally, I was working a lot on their internet businesses, and I was learning about why it's important to question traditional business models and how technology can really change those models. Um, and so what I've tried to do is bring that knowledge and that experience to running nonprofits. Uh, and so I try to run Village Enterprise the way an entrepreneur would run a high-tech company. Um, so really being innovative, um, building a really strong culture in a team that's focused on results. Uh, and, um, and, and finally, like just bringing a lot of passion uh, to the work, because I think really passion fuels success. Excellent. Absolutely. 
And uh, now before you before you run off today, I'd love to get a key takeaway from you. What's that one thing that you'd love for the listeners to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Well, I think the key takeaway that I'd like to leave you with is that I do believe it is possible to end extreme poverty. Um, it's the number one sustainable development goal. Um, we are behind. We need more money. We need more dedicated resources to solving this problem. Um, but over the past 35 years, there's been incredible progress. Uh, the rate of extreme poverty has been reduced from 36% to just over 9%. Um, and we now have proven solutions that are backed by solid evidence. You know, we talked about the RCTs. We now know how to solve this problem. Um, we need to provide the people that are living in extreme poverty with these solutions. And when we do, they lift themselves and their families out of poverty. Um, and ultimately we break the cycle of poverty. So I hope um, that I can leave your listeners with this optimistic message um, that it is possible to end extreme poverty. Wonderful. Well, here's to making sure that uh, Sustainable Development Goal 1 becomes a thing of the past. Um, thank you so very much, Diane, for joining us today and joining me here on the Do One Better podcast. An absolute pleasure. Thank you, Alberto. It has been a pleasure for me as well. So nice to meet you. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Diane Calvi, Chief Executive Officer of Village Enterprise. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable folks in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Thanks so much for tuning in. As always, thoroughly enjoyed producing today's episode for you, and I will catch you this coming Monday.